Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Clifford. Well, join me this week is a kind of friend of the show, um, former agent, uh, William Garvin. William, how's things, my man? Yes, very well, Ryan. How's yourself, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. As we spoke before, we've got a manager now in place, so we're a bit more positive. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Kind of felt as if it took forever to, to get the man in the door. Um, obviously, there was a lot of talk about Eddie Howe and a bit of disappointment, even from my side of things, because um, that was one that I think I spoke previously on the show, someone I really, really wanted, but obviously it wasn't to be, and... Angie's in now, so yeah, we just need to get right behind him now, don't we? And and hopefully he's going to be successful this year at, uh, at Celtic Park. Uh, definitely, mate. Uh, before we obviously start the podcast, um, I've got a wee kind of plug to mention. My friend's, um, friend's dad's got a charity match um, Sunday 25th of July. Um, it'll be held at Anthony's Junior Park. I think most people in East End don't know that. Um, it's a char- uh, charity for cancer. Um, if anybody can... Any donations um, in the next few weeks or so, we'll, we'll get involved and we'll try and get any donations as we can. Um, I know, obviously, during COVID and cancer is a big thing for a lot of families, so any any little helps. Um, I'll be playing my first game in four years, so I'll be taking part and hopefully I'll not break my leg again. But uh, it's, it's, a, a yearly, it's a yearly cause and Alex and Sean work, work very hard behind the scenes. And Again, any donation helps, but um, we'll go into that as, as we go along in the podcast uh, later on during the month and hopefully we'll get uh, some donations. Uh, but obviously, William, um, it's been a long time since I spoke to you. How's things been, mate, in the football world? Um, yeah, things have been good. I'm enjoying the Euros, I think, like everybody else. Um, you know, a lot of football been on TV of late, which has been good. Some cracking games have been on the show as well, especially when it gets to the playoff side of things. So no, I've been enjoying that, to be honest. And, um, filling as much of my time as I can, watching a lot of the games. Obviously, as you said, the Euros, it's been a bit of a distraction for most people, isn't it? Obviously, for our Celtic fans, it's, <laughs> it's a different, kind of happier vibe to watch better quality football, I suppose. Aye, uh, yeah, I suppose it has. I, I, I like to try and put last season to the back <laughs> of my mind, to be honest. Um, so it's been good to watch that. And it was good to see Scotland back in the Euros and back in a tournament. And the last time they were in a tournament, I was, I was still in primary school, so that maybe tells you how long ago <laughs> that was. So um, it was great to see them back. And listen... I know that obviously didn't get right through the next round, but we gave a good account of ourselves, I would say, against the Canadian teams, you know. So, um, but no, it's been good. It's been good watching it. Because obviously, you're talking about the Euros with Scotland. Again, the, the, probably the most spoke about game would be the England game. Um, oh, yeah. I know there's a lot of anticipation and obviously maybe now the way they're playing and the looks that they might get to the final. Mm-hmm. So, you maybe go to, maybe the draw is maybe, she upgraded in a way because, let's be honest, they are a, 
quite a world class team. We've got a lot of world class yeah. players. We have got maybe maybe Kieran Tierney, Robertson, maybe McTominay a push, maybe two or three really top, top players. Yeah. Uh, and then the rest I would say they're very, very good players. So to, to get a good point against it for me, I, I was impressed the way we played. I know you yourself, you hear a lot of media, it's maybe the same as kind of back here. <laughs> it's yeah. always they don't really give a lot of teams credit when it comes to our league, but when it comes to the national scene, I thought we did deserve a lot of credit. But in English scene, you, you know yourself, we always talk about England were poor and Scotland money very good, but Scotland did do a good job against, for me, one of the best teams, mm. well, trooper squads in, in the world. I, I would totally agree. And I would actually take my hat off to Steve Clark and the coaching team for that, because I think tactically Scotland got it down to a tee. They nullified England in that game. I know English media were on their back saying, no, England were poor and, and, and Harry Kane was quiet, but that was Scotland that done that. And I felt a lot of players, especially maybe the players that are maybe get a lot of criticism, more like your Stephen O'Donnell's, someone, someone like him, he actually had the game of his life. That's probably the best I've ever seen him play. Um, and, and it was great to see them raise their game to that level. And obviously playing at Wembley with the Tartan Army behind them. Um, some of them that were in the, at the game, you could see that they raised their game to that level. But it was it was brilliant from the players and the coaching team um, in that game. And all credit to them for that for the point they got down there. Because I was as soon as the draw was made, and I know a few people from down south and stuff, and I was kind of saying to them, listen, don't think these are going to steamrollers because mm-hmm. the way Steve Clark's teams are always built up, you knew they'd be hard to beat. They might not score a goal, but mm-hmm. you knew they'd be very hard to beat, and they contained England very well. But I thought it did look dangerous even going forward. Yeah, um, we're so unlucky at times, eh, with the chances we had. You know, like was it Lyndon Dykes had one off the line? Do you know what I mean? And he just, I suppose, it's fine margins for football, isn't it? But like you said, we had so many good chances in the game. It, it could have almost been a, a dream sort of result for us, but obviously it wasn't to be. So, but then, as you say, when it comes to the other teams, the Czechs and the Croatia, when you've got a forty million pound striker up front, Patrick Sheik, and you've got a world class oh, Modric, it's very hard to contain. And nah. I know as fans, we get. Somewhat to sell, you think we should maybe do better, but when you take a step back, you're thinking, I think Croatia was like in the lands midfield, Dutch midfield, and other. It's just you're playing against guys who the quality is just exceptional. You're playing yeah. against it's just another level up, isn't it? From from where Scotland's at at the minute, in, in my opinion. And do you know what? Like the guys like Patrick Sheik and Luka Modric, that's the difference in those sort of games. You know, it's that those are the guys that are going to score you the goals or create something special um, or do both in probably Modric's case so um, yeah we are just maybe like a one or two world class players short of, of competing at that level but listen the future's bright but look at where we've came from so mm-hmm. fingers crossed it can keep progressing and, and Stevie Clark's there to, to obviously oversee that so obviously you get the <clears throat> you get the odd trolls that will say me deserve to get sacked no, I'm like, listen you can't no matter no. what happened there is, no matter what happened there is tournament you can't sack a guy that's got you to a, a major tournament no matter how <laughs> No matter how the route they got through, if it was a lower shoot, whatever, he's in the day, he's still go to there. He go to there. It's progression, it's, isn't it? And you've got to look at it in, in the bigger picture for when he took over, and we're going in the right direction. So long may that continue. And obviously yourself, um, I've spoken a wee bit about it. Obviously now you're kind of doing more scouting than you are kind of football agency. Yeah. Um, as you obviously watch the Euros as well, is that gives you a more kind of expanding knowledge of how you're. Scouting um, and looking at players differently through actual Euros itself. There's, there's a couple of things that I've, I've sort of picked up on from the Euros. One one thing I'd probably, if anyone's interested in maybe looking at the sort of oppositional analysis side, which is something I've t- been touching on of late as well. Um, if you if you watch games through the BBC iPlayer, we've got something called a tactical cam. And basically it's a camera fitted 
behind right. the goals and it shows the whole sides, uh, basically the whole pitch um, in a view. And you can actually see how the team shapes change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of opposition analysis is about that. So that would, that's been really great refreshing seeing that now because I think there's more of an interest in the sort of oppositional analytical side of football. So obviously the BBC have picked up on that. <coughs> And you actually see some of the highlights they show back at half time from that camera angle. Oh, right, okay. Generally, Alan Shearer or whoever will talk and say, well, this space is open and this guy's came out of position, all that sort of side of things. So that's been really, really good for anyone that's really interested in that side of it. Give it a go. You don't need to watch the whole match that way, but you can maybe watch like 10 minutes so you can see how the team's shape changes because fluid nowadays, sorry, football nowadays is quite fluid in terms of formations and shapes now. So that's been really refreshing to see that. Um, there's obviously been a few players that have caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Denmark, they're, they're absolutely flying just now. And obviously, the the thing that happened to Christian Eriksen was, yeah. was frightening to watch. Yeah. I mean, people, I was in the house with my wife, and we're sitting going, "Holy, is this guy going to make it here?" You know, it was unbelievable. But then you're sitting saying to yourself, "Why am I even watching this?" Do you know I what know. I mean? Because you're I sitting know. there watching it in, uh, in sort of terror of what's happening. So, um, so yeah, the Danes have got a cause, which has obviously given them a lift to try and do it for Christian. But one of the players that's I've picked out is the boy Myler who um, scored a couple of goals and he set up that goal at the weekend with outside his boot. He's a cracking player. Um, and I didn't know much a lot about him. Um, soon as he, as soon as he hit that ball in, I was like, I'm going to look this guy up. Where is he at? And I think he's at Atalanta just now in Italy. So, yeah, there's been one or two players that I've picked up as well, Ryan, watching it, um, who are obviously shining, shining through uh, in the matches. Because obviously, you yourself, most of the time the Euros or the World Cup happens, two or three wee gems, they normally come to the four. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've seen it, obviously... With Wales, Fury go to qualified and the guy can get a good move out of it. Right, things aye. like that. As much as I, I don't think the guy's... Obviously, I can't say the guy's crap because he's playing professional football, but yeah. he's not at the level I would maybe think some people think he's at. Yeah. Because he scored the old goal. And, but at the end of the day, these guys get moves because they have two or three good games and they get picked up. But as think as a... Do you think maybe that's a market? Obviously, I don't know. Obviously, we'll talk about Angie's maybe his, his tactical side and his tactic side for, for mm-hmm. transfers. But do you think maybe that's a market Celtic can look into? Or do you think maybe the money's maybe too big? I think, for that? Yeah, I think the big nations, the money, the money's frightening. Eh? Um, that's going about you know, compared to what Celtic can probably afford. Um, but listen, there's, as I said, there's probably one or two gems in there from some of the smaller nations that you might be able to pick up. Um, relatively cheaply um, but yeah I think the problem is as well when you're doing it at that level you know whether it's the Euros or the World Cup you tend to find your price will probably double <laughs> so um, because you're doing well at, on that stage at that level so it's always difficult for Celtic to maybe try and pick a player like that. maybe 10-15 maybe years ago we could have done it and, yeah. and I remember one time Celtic maybe had four or five six players in the World Cup for, for various countries um, but yeah I think it's it's a big jump Financially, for Celtic to try and get one of the one of the top players from the tournament, because um, generally you find the English teams, Germans and the Spanish are all sort of sniffing about those players. because uh, I think it is getting harder now. Because I think it's, it's yeah. actually a good point you mentioned. I think one of the first podcasts have done me that again for me it's probably coming to form now. He says that the, the base Celtic do their transfer policies. I might end up buying League One players. Yeah, and yeah, it could be the way going forward that we're buying hmm. obviously projects and stuff, but. Um, I definitely agree with you personally when it comes to Euros I just think that you might get the odd gem now but it's very hard for us to compete at that level to sign guy even maybe the average players in the teams are going for 15 to 20 million yeah. it's very mm-hmm. hard to compete with it, is. it definitely is and I think that 
really if you do your see if you do your homework correctly, you know, if you look at players that play for Denmark or, or play for Sweden or some of these sort of other countries, if you do your homework correctly, you've generally got these players on your books when they're going to the Euros, and then you're obviously getting your return um, when you're selling them on. And I think realistically, that's where Celtic probably are, you know, in, in terms of developing players and moving them on. Obviously, we've done it quite successfully with quite a lot of players. There's been a lot of players we've not done it quite right with. So it's trying to find that balance and getting it right. So, um, listen, there's a new era coming upon us as, we, as we're going to talk about. So let's hopefully they get that right more than they get wrong. Because I was kind of hoping, from maybe a selfish point of view, a Celtic fan, that maybe the guys who were maybe wanting to leave or fringe players who went to Euros, like maybe Christy, who maybe want to go and... I think what's to go, I don't know the situation with him, but he's rumoured mm-hmm. to be leaving and stuff. They yeah. guys can maybe get game time to get their value maybe up mm-hmm. um, but again obviously with Christy didn't really happen didn't play a lot but it was, I think it's good as well for guys like Tumbo and stuff just to get, go there and get experience yeah. because for me I think that guy's an absolute I think he's an, he's an absolute yeah. top player um, I, I think maybe a year or two down the line I think he will go to a bigger team than to maybe down south like Everton or something because I think he's got that quote in him I, I would agree I've always liked David Tumbo from um I used to see I've saw him playing the Motherwell reserves and then he obviously progressed into the Motherwell first team. Um, he's got everything about him technically. Um, he's still got a lot to learn, I think. And I think, like you said, him going to that tournament, which obviously didn't feature um, an awful lot, but just being around about the squad and training every day and things like that and being around about the tournament, he would have got a, a real lift of that and a, bit, a good bit of experience behind him. So I, I'm pretty sure he'll push on. And I, I fully expect, as long as he stays fit, I think he'll have a really good season for us this year because I think he'll have a bigger role to play. No, I definitely agree as well, mate. I think he, he came into the team last season and we were all thinking, where's this boy been? But yeah. we, we, most of us all know about him in Scottish football. We knew that as soon as he came in, he, he should have played because the Mullerwell, let's be honest, he was a standout there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's came to Celtic now. I think he's he's phenomenal. I think, he, I, hopefully he's a mainstay because he brings that bit of creativity. He brings you a bit of a needle, he's, he has got a bit of it, I, I, I would totally agree. Um, I think, obviously, you, you sort of touched on uh, Ryan Christie's obviously going to move on, which it kind of looks like it is. So, listen, listen, that's football. You know, players come and go. The club's always there. So, what the club need to do is manage the situation as best they can. And if, if Ryan moves on and Celtic get a bit of money for him, great. But David Tumble's ready to step into those shoes mm-hmm. for me. Um, I think he's been around about the club now, you know, for the past year. He knows how it works, and I really do believe he'll have a big role to play. And I think he's the type of player Ange would like as well. Yeah. And I think he will become a big player under Ange. And obviously, we mentioned obviously now you're doing a bit of kind of scouting and stuff. How? <coughs> see, I'm I'm kind of getting obviously because I'm doing the podcast and stuff, but obviously I'm not playing the football anymore. But I'm all getting more into. I'm watching games now as maybe a coaching point of view. I'm yeah. seeing how teams are pressing and how they're. I'm even pointing out I'm watching it my own man. Look the way they're pressing, but look the way we're not pressing. I was watching mm-hmm. it last season the way teams were pressing, even teams like Kamarnock and Johnston against Celtic, and I'm thinking, the, the way their their structure is just 4-4-2 and it stays 4-4-2, but the way we were playing, uh, it was like 3-1, it was all over the place, and you could uh, tell that there wasn't a structure there, there wasn't a shape, and for me, I, I think it's very interesting, like, how how is a, kind of as a fan, or even just a, a sort of, how do you get, kind of get into that type of work, and is it a, do you need to go through certain stages to get into that type of work? Um, I think nowadays it's becoming more and more accessible. Obviously, I, I'd spent nearly six years working as yeah. an agent, so you get to know a lot of people within the industry. Um, it's totally changed from when I first started. You know, generally you'd find the scouts, um, or generally ex-players or, or 
coaches or whatever and done all their UFRA license and whatever else they've done and worked their way up that way. But now and now you're finding more and more sort of younger, there's a lot, a lot of younger people getting involved in it now, um, maybe coming at uni, done analytics or something university and then become recruitment analyst or opposition analyst. And there's, there's various ways you can do it, but there's, there's a lot of good information on, um, I've done a couple of courses through the, the Football Association, which is the English FA. Yeah. I've done a couple of courses through uh, another organisation called the PFSA. Right, okay. um, they're really, really good. So they, they do online courses that you can do via Zoom. Um, they're doing them via Zoom because obviously the, the COVID sort of restrictions. So but they do a lot of classroom-based stuff as well. You can do either the player identification route or you can do the positional analysis route, sorry. Or you can do both and do as much as you want. Um, and that was really good. So I've done a couple of courses with them. They were really, really good to do. Um, and obviously the Scottish FA have started doing talent ID courses as well, um, which I'm actually, I'm going to go on that course just to see. I, my sort of thinking is I want to really see what, you know, what the English FA do, what the PFSA do and what does Scottish FA And is yeah. it different? Is it is it the same? Is there things I can take from one and take from another and sort of learn from that way? So, um, so yeah, if you go on any of those websites, anybody that's really want to get involved, go on those websites, get a read of them. Uh, and there's plenty of information on there and you get yourself signed up for courses. Um, obviously, coming from my sort of background as well, there's a lot of people I know in the game, so I, I can speak to people to get yeah. some pointers and some help with yeah. experience. But listen, if there's anybody out there that's wanting any help or anything like that at all, any advice, listen, contact me on Twitter. I'm more than happy to help anybody who's looking for a bit of information or maybe just a guide of what sort of route to go down and anything like that. So I'd be more than happy to help them out. Because it's, it's something I'm... More, and now I'm watching games not just as a fan, but obviously because I'm doing this, I'm taking notes and stuff. But just in general, I'm I'm watching games as a as a coach now. I'm mm-hmm. seeing how teams are playing and how they're pressing, and it's true what my old man actually says. He says Ryan, this high press hasn't just come into football, no. but because he says it, obviously Guardiola kind of maybe wrote it for Barcelona, and it's it's progressed a bit more. But he says Ryan, it's not like this is a brand new thing, this high no. press thing, because even when I played, I used to love. The high press, I, when I played up front, I was always like, we need to press, we need to press for the front, but yeah. you don't see a lot of teams doing it now. It's only maybe certain teams with certain philosophies, yourself, whereas Guy Ange, it yeah. seems to be this is, this is the way he's going to play. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you've got to get, you know, yourself obviously with scouting and being an agents, you know that certain managers need certain players for certain formations, certain philosophies, certain players need to fit the criteria. And I think that's the way maybe he's started to change the culture, how we sign players and how we get them into formations. Yeah, I, I think you will. And I, and I think what, what Andrew will probably do is you'll, you'll probably assess everyone during this pre-season. You know, I know the Celtic are away down to Wales. I think today they, they travel down to Wales for their, their matches down there in a, a little training camp. And, and I think you'll be getting this philosophy across. And I listen, I don't know, Andrew, I'm only really reading. And to be honest, six months ago, I didn't know a lot about the guy either. But... Um, reading between the lines and how he's handled some of the press conferences and listening to him and the, the sort of wee mic top session Celtic done uh, on the training ground, he gets across that he wants high energy, um, counter-pressing. He's wanting to win the ball back quick and he wants you to score more goals than another team. And for me, that's that's the Celtic way, to be honest. And we touched on that way anyhow as well. But um, but yeah, he, he's got to find out which players suit his system. And I think that's what he'll be doing right now as well as try to find um, the right players to, to come in and complement it. He's obviously, obviously Griffiths in the new deal and stuff, and there's uh-huh. a lot. Of, I think you're going to get a divided thing on that. Um, for me, I've always said as much as I love Edward and whatever else. For me, Lee Griffiths is still the best finisher, pound per thousand in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter if he's fifty percent fit or he's or he's full percent fit. Cause I think I seen a start the other day. Um, I think he was involved, and I know he only started a few games, whatever. But 
every Macy the game he was involved in, he was involved in a goal where he, mm-hmm. he had some sort of so he's obviously still got something. And again, for me, you've just got to believe in the manager now. Um, I've kind of took a step back for maybe criticising or maybe whatever else. I'm just trying to let the guy do his job now. Yeah. I think as yeah. me personally, I think as us as fans, mm-hmm. we could sign Messi and Ronaldo and we're not happy that we could find a flaw with it. I just think that Celtic Aye. fans in general, I just think there's always a flaw with somebody. <laughs> there, there, there probably is. I think everyone's got their own opinion and their own sort of perception of what's going on. I, I'll be completely honest, I was really, really sceptical when I heard Angie's name getting mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably a little bit of a hangover because I was resting my hat on Eddie House so much and I was really excited about that prospect given I, I know how Eddie works and yeah. knew what he'd done at Bournemouth. So um, when I heard Angie's name, I was really, really sceptical. But Obviously, Twitter nowadays is brought for information. You know, I put a post on Twitter the day after we heard the rumours and there was Australians messaging me saying, uh-huh. oh, you need to look into this. This is what you've done here and read, there's this book that you wrote and blah. So when you start doing a wee bit of your homework, you're like, well, wait a minute, let's take a wee step back. He's no man, he's in Europe. So right away, he's, he's almost getting like a black mark against his name because he's not been in Europe. But it doesn't mean he's a bad manager or a bad coach. I don't think he is a bad coach because every... Well, at Brisbane and in Yokohama, he's went to those two clubs and transformed how they played and they won the leagues in those clubs and they obviously managed the Australian team in the World Cup. So you've got to be a, a top coach to be to be doing that. So um, as you said, Ryan, you've hit the nail on the head. Let's just get behind the guy. Let's buy into what he's trying to do. He needs the club. He needs the club, the board, the players and he needs the fans just to buy into what he's doing. I don't think it's going to change overnight. I hope it does. I hope right away we're, we're hitting the ground running and we're going for it. But we just need to be a wee bit patient, I think, just to get get things um, moving along for the season ahead. So, no, I agree with you. Um, I think that's what I said to Robert last night as well. That as much as we want to win the league and we want to progress, would you take another? Obviously, take away the Champions League qualifying because that's a massive thing at the end of the season. We need to, yeah. we need to win the league for that, right? Yeah. But just say it was just a normal season where we had to get into the qualifiers. Uh, and just see, we just see, we just win ten or all right, and we to just win the league, right? Would you take another year out to have another period of sustained success, or would you rather win the league this year and maybe lose the league for three or four years again? I, I was just saying, <laughs> me personally, I've said to Robert, I would rather. Obviously, this isn't including the big pot of money at the end of uh-huh. the season. Mm-hmm. If you just took that away, and it was just win the league. Would I take maybe losing out? Maybe see you beat me two points or something, right? Just if it was a yeah. close run season, right? Fair yeah. enough. But then the next two or three years, Ange builds something special like we did with yeah. Rodgers. Yeah. I, I was thinking, obviously, you're never going to happen. You might have won the league, you might have won every game you play. But if you had it in a scenario where I would rather have, I think even my old man says it as well, you'd rather have maybe another year out for another long period of success, or would you rather Aye. win one league and then maybe lose four in a row? I know, I know, I know you're you're saying. You've got to have a bit of, it's, it's hard. Look, the problem is, I think with Celtic fans especially, is we want the short-term success quickly. But me personally, yeah, I, I would, if the guy's going to come in here and build something successful with Ben Rodgers, mm-hmm. I would happily miss another league um, to do that if it was the other way around. But don't get me wrong, I want us to win the league this year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As, like every fan does. But I just think that when Martin O'Neill came in, I remember that very well when mm-hmm. Celtic were felt as if we felt as if that was the lowest point that we had um, after the, the sort of horrific season we had under John Barnes. And, I remember watching that as a young get of a young kid at the time and, and just going, this can't be any it can't be any worse. And when Martin came in, everybody was like, Great, bro. But nobody expected him to turn it around so quickly. Now, the thing is, I think it was different back then as it is now. Martin O'Neill was given a lot of money to go and spend and, and bring the players in immediately. 
I think what the problem the has got, especially obviously the COVID's affected it as well. Celtic took such a long time to bring him in. Mm-hmm. They could have earmarked him to come in and start, you know, a bit like Dummy Dom McKay. You know, you, you start officially on July the 1st yeah. or June the 1st, but he's working behind the scenes in the background and getting things moving. The problem is, I don't think he's got enough time between now and the Champions League qualifier, which I think is in two weeks, I think it is. I is so I. Two weeks from now. So I think the Champions League, Champions League qualifier, I'm not expecting much from that because we've got such a hard route to go through there. But we need to try and build the team as quickly as we can for the first league game of the season. And listen, it might take four or five games to get his point across, but I think what they're doing, looking at the pre-season games, there's quite a lot of games are going to be played in about the Champions League qualifiers. I think he wants as many games as he can yeah. to try and get things working system-wise, player-wise, tactically, um, so that we can hit the ground running um, come the first game of the season. Because obviously, as he says, we mentioned about the, the mic'd up session. Um, yeah. I spoke about it briefly last night with Robert as well, that a lot of people are, for the other side of the city, Rangers fans were saying, oh, this is basic stuff. Why are they all getting their arms about it? And I'm thinking, but that's what top coaches do. That's the way yeah. top coaches put their point across. They're in the middle of the park. They've got their mm-hmm. stature. They're saying, it might be basic stuff, but even when I played like, pro youth and amateur and whatever else, no lot of managers done that either. Stood in the middle no. of park, parking orders. They stood no. outside the park and get the other guys to help them. Mm-hmm. Like we said, well, last season it was always Stratton and Kennedy and the other guys who are part of the staff were taking the sessions. We never knew when in the park. Parking orders, we need to do this, we need to high press. And for me, again, that shows a guy confidence as well that he's able to stand, knowing that he's under mic, on camera, mm-hmm. put his point across. And for me, it seems to me that the players, obviously these snippets we've heard, that they are kind of buying into it they're saying it's yeah. hard it's been a hard few weeks and see, it was good at the point Robert made as well the fact that he knows all our names as well already mm-hmm. he knows mm-hmm. all the young players names all our nicknames and he's even calling Barky as Barky you know what I, mean? <laughs> just, I did feel that just, well done Barky just Aye. but I as well for me when I played football see when the manager knew who you were and knew about you it gives you a wee bit of confidence knowing me. this guy he knows my name he knows about me I can it's about a freedom, knowing you don't need to, how do you say, you don't need to prove yourself anymore in a way, but obviously you don't need to prove yourself to him, but he knows who you are and he knows what you can do, so it gives these players a bit of freedom to go and progress himself into basically his training sessions. I, I, I'm actually, I didn't know that there was a bit of criticism about that. Um, oh, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't see that or anything, but I'm quite surprised, I don't know, I don't know how many uh, mic'd up sessions Stephen Gerrard's done, if, mm. if any, I don't know if you're, you even know that, Ryan, but... Um, I think it, it was refreshing to see it because it gives you an insight to how the elite level works. And I, okay, he's saying basic things, you know, we'll win the ball back and we'll, we'll, we'll work for 40, for 90 minutes and take a rest and blah, blah, blah. But it's good to hear that from a Celtic point of view because we've not really heard much in terms of from the club, in terms of who's the manager. And it was really, there was too much radio silence. I think we were hearing more about everybody's birthday, never mind exactly what was going on with <laughs> the Twitter feed at one point. It's probably because, all due respect, the people who are in charge of the social media probably weren't getting fed any information either, you know? And I know John Paul Taylor's getting a bit of criticism on Twitter yeah. and listen, that guy's doing his best as well and he'll feed the information back as much as he can. So it was good to get a bit of insight like that. This is how Ange works. And I think it was a kind of masterstroke from the, the sort of social media side at Celtic to do that. But it gave, I think it's gave all the fans a bit of a lift and it gave you an insight of how he's going to play the game. For me, I'm really excited just to, just to see his first game, even even if it's a friendly, just to see some of the action and see how he's going to play the game and, and how his philosophy is going to develop at the club. Um, and as I said to you, I'm, I'm a 
very, very much optimistic now, um, reading into him and, and knowing how he does things. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in action. Because as we were uh, speaking before we came on, that a lot of kind of higher profile players and managers and pundits have spoken about him very well. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of the same before Eddie Howe was coming. A lot of higher profile players were coming out and ex players were saying how good he was. And these guys don't need to come out and say this. These guys only getting paid as a box of papers no. or betting to say they're saying that's what they record and yeah, they can just say I's a good manager, they don't need any detail. And for me, yeah. when guys are coming out and saying that about you, the guy must have something. And as you mentioned, it took an average ish Australia team to very far to get to the World Cup uh, group stages. So, and I think it was Jackson Oven was on open goal and he was talking very high about him, and other players have spoken about him. So, these guys obviously have maybe got a bit of loyalty towards them in a way but these guys don't need to come out and see these things about no, them so no, I know. there's Tim, obviously something involved in that yeah definitely and Tim Cahill was one I picked up on who'd, who'd came out um, and, and sort of I spoke to him highly as well and, and obviously wished them all the best at Celtic but yeah you're right mate there's players and, and coaches and that don't need to come out and say this stuff if it's not true um, so I think he's coming over here with a big big reputation from the other side of the world and Unfortunately, a lot of people in this part of the world don't follow the lot of the football over that side of the world. Um, so, as I said, he's won the league at Yokohama. He took them um, and changed the philosophy there and won the league with them and he won the league with Brisbane as well. So the guys won things as well. So that fits the sort of Celtic model we've got. So, listen, let's just hope it's, it's as successful as we want it to be. And obviously as well, he'll be having his own um, his scouting networks or whatever. And obviously, do you think because he obviously you are kind of in that kind of industry at the moment? Do you think he will be having? Do you think we'll be rumoured with a lot of players from that side because he where he's came from? I think it's natural that mm. he, he probably would be players he's maybe worked with before that fit his philosophy, the way he wants to play the game. I think he'll be, we'll be linked to a lot of people. That. I think he, I think he'll have a couple of players in his mind that he goes to. He would be a good fit to come over here and and, and do the job. What is it, Celtic? Um, I think. It, it sort of, in a way, opens us up to another market or mm-hmm. markets, you know, Japan, Asia, Australia. Um, things might be a bit tricky with the work permit sort of regulations, but they're getting tricky in Europe now anyway because we've, we've left the European Union. So um, those are other avenues that we're kind of looking at. I think commercially it would help us as well in, in those markets. And I think Don Mackay probably had a, a thought on that as well about the commercial reach of Celtic and, and maybe expanding his more in markets like Asia and then obviously like Australia and places like that. So, yeah, I think he will be. It'll be interesting to see who his backroom team is, if he's going to bring people in. Um, I know that I did hear that Jack Neal has now left us, so I think we're looking for a head of sports science now as well. Um, was there no, no Leipzig he went to? It was, aye. Aye, Leipzig. So, so he must be, I know I know we've had a lot of criticism as fans and uh-huh. maybe how fit, how fit the players are and stuff. If he's going to a team at Leipzig, he must be top draw. Oh, well, well Jack, I remember Jack Neely was at, where was he at? Was he was with Carlo Ancelotti at Chelsea, I think. So he's obviously very, very good. Aye, he left, he, he went with Carlo Ancelotti around a few clubs. So he went from Chelsea to Real Madrid. Was, was it Rodgers um, was it, was it, was it at Bohemian? Yes, it was. Was it, yeah? Uh, so Brendan obviously probably knew him, maybe from his Chelsea days or something. But Jack Neely went with Carlo Ancelotti pretty much around Europe. So he went to Real Madrid. And then he went to PSG, him and Paul Clement. So the guy obviously knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously moved on to Leipzig. Listen, maybe that's part of the reason he's left. Maybe he was getting a bit unfair criticism. Yeah. Going, Listen, he did a fresh start. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see who Ange brings in. Obviously, there's a bit of debate over John Kennedy and Gavin Strang. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know who's doing the recruitment. 
I think Ange's got a big part in that, which I think is a good thing um, to have a big part in that. And Don McKay must be doing the nitty gritty with the deals. But there isn't really a Nick Hammond. I know Nick Hammond, a few scouts left through Nick Hammond as well. So I don't really know who's doing a lot of the scouting at Celtic at the minute. So a lot of that I think would be good to be cleared up. But I think a lot of it's going to take time um, as well as trying to bring players in. But hopefully they can get that sorted sooner rather later. But it'll be interesting to see who he does bring in. Because obviously you mentioned about the about the work permit stuff. I generally yeah. don't know nothing. See, like when it comes to that now, I know yeah. with Brexit and whatever else and stuff. How has it really affected the visas? Do you need to go as a totally different pathway now to get a visa now? No, I think for Europe, it is going to go that way. For mm-hmm. Basically, if you're signing a player, and I think I touched on this in the first podcast we've done, um, if you're signing a player, you've got to play a, a percentage of games for your national team, competitive games for your national team. So if you're signing an Australian international who's played I don't know, 40 games in the last three years, then he'll get one. It's not a problem. Yeah. It's when you look at more of the younger players that are not quite at that level. But you can go and fight the case and say that well, this player is going to become that player. There's a lot of potential in him. There's a lot of value in it. And you can go that way and appeal it. But Europe is going to go down that same route. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be more... What my point was, it's going to be it's just as difficult to sign players from maybe Germany or France than what it is right, Australia. Okay. So that would open the door for us over that way. Um, so that, that's just unfortunately the way it's going to go. Because obviously... We spoke as well before we come on about, uh, obviously, the players we signed, the model what we've had the last few years, and obviously we've mentioned the guy for Croatia, he's 19. Yeah. Rumours about Hickey, he's only 19, 20. Um, the two boys of Sheffield Wednesday we've signed, it's still in that young model. Um, and I, I touched on it with Robert as well last night, that we've, met, we've lost Scott Brown, um, we've lost a, two or three other kind of experienced players, like Ellen Ussie, and mm-hmm. I know Laxalt, might have not been the best, but he was experienced. He played the high, highest level he can play at in World Cups. And um, John Joe Kenny's favourite, and I know he might not have played well, but these guys are experienced pros. And we're kind of, we've no lost a full squad of experienced players, but the way your model is, we can't, in my opinion, anyway, we can't keep signing gems all the time. Maybe you need to mm-hmm. sign as, as much as we don't really like to talk about Rangers in this but Rangers have signed the guy John Lumsden for Sheffield United today yeah, I, yeah. I don't know much about him I've seen him the odd I've had a few mixed reviews on Twitter today talking about him but I know when we say it's an all free transfer they're signed because we all know that's really unless they sell players that is the market they'll go down yeah, um, yeah. but I think he's again I'm going to start the guy because I don't know much about him but on paper he's played 60 odd times in the Premier League or something solid ready replacement to come in and play mm. we're signing potential players are they going to come in and play right away do we need maybe to change our model and sign a guy like Aaron Moy who's 30, 31 to come in and play for two years I think I think it's fine signing project players that you class as a project mm-hmm. because one thing you can probably say about these players they're, they're going to get an opportunity to play in Scotland if you're taking them from maybe like the English Championship or whatever um, but I, I do think you still need to complement that with some experienced players now I know you, yeah. you obviously touched on Bruni's away El uh, went back to Southampton, but there's obviously potentially Ryan Christie's going to go, Christopher Ayer's going to go. There's a lot of top players there with experience that we're going to lose out of that team. Now, some people might say, listen, that's a good thing because they had a really bad season last year. Um, but I'd like to see, obviously, we've brought in Uruguide, who I know a little bit about. I was actually quite surprised when I heard we got him because I heard that Leeds put after him. Um, I don't know how true that was, but he sort of fitted the way Bielsa plays, which then kind of makes me think, well, that's great because I quite like the way Marcel Marcelo Bielsa sets up his team in that and the sort of player he goes for. So I'm quite I'm quite excited about him. But again, yeah, he's only really had one season at Sheffield Wednesday with a twenty odd games in the championship. So I think 
I think he will become a good player if, uh, if everything goes right for him. But like you said, I agree with you, mate. I think that you've got to bring a bit of experience alongside those projects. As you said, all those players that were either brought in or linked with are under 21. So um, we need some, maybe a couple of pros in there to help us, especially to try and rest of the league back off Rangers this season. Because I know there was, I see a rumour as well, I don't know how concrete it was, I don't know if it's Marie's fate to put us, but it's a boy from Marseille, a striker, um, Darryl's at Benedetto or something. Oh, um, right, okay. They played the Boca Juniors a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I was kind of thinking, if that's true, if it, I think it's the worst quote in seven million pounds again. I don't know if it was real or no, but uh-huh. if that's for me, I was like, that'd be a massive coup. I know he's 31, but that's the sort of guys, I mean, I'm more saying him in general, but yeah. that sort of stature, I he came in and maybe him with these younger guys, because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, maybe the most experienced might be maybe McGregor, and he's only 28, 29. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I said to Robert last night. Is he the guy in the last five minutes, say, a 1-0 down to Mitchelland? Is he the guy that's going to like, come on? I, I don't know if he is. I don't know if that's in his nature. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's like after part, but I think we need somebody, maybe I like a Scott Brown X in that middle of the park who's going to, like, come on, get a bit more need on the park because I think we need yeah. experience, especially, as you mentioned, going into these qualifiers and, again, hearts away in the first game of the season. You need experience, guys. You think Castle because it's a hard, yeah, it's a hard game to start the season. I agree. It is a hard game. Um, I think that uh, I think will know that though. I think that he'll know the, the sort of task ahead of him and what he needs. And I know there's been a lot of links with the boy Moy, uh, the Australian mm. boy, who Andrew probably know a lot about. I actually quite like. I think he's actually quite a good player. Yeah. Um, and I think he would fit us really well in, in terms of what we're trying to do in the middle of the park. So. Listen, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it progresses. I think the next few weeks are going to be really, really interesting because one thing they've got to do is they've got to get this done quickly as possible. Um, we don't really want to be sitting here, you know, middle of August, coming up to deadline day and try to get four or five players over the line. So uh, these things do take time. Um, to and fro with, with clubs and whatever and players. So they've just got to try and get it done as swiftly as they can. Because as we've said before as well, that it's probably going to be Ralston, Beaton, Welsh, Taylor. It's going to be a back four. Uh, it's going to be the, the usual trying through the first two. And I hope no. I hope maybe Abby Ange brings a different structure in. Um, and obviously, we touched on the guys who maybe leave Ayer and Christie. Let's talk about obviously Ayer and Norwich, mm. maybe £12 million pound with add ons. Um, Christie, thanks. Obviously, you, you know Ryan as well, so I don't know. I think they were talking £3 million mm-hmm. because he's only got six months left or so and his deal's coming up soon. So I would take, 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 take that so all day long. I just, think just for me, if you can get, get £15 million, £16 million for two players who are less than two and a half years left in their deals, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe getting less than what you should be getting in this day's market, but that buys you maybe two or three, maybe two quality players. Exactly. So exactly, and you've just got to get the money in and reinvest it, reinvest it in the, the squad for players who do want to be there. I think that there was a big thing last year about, um, and there was a lot of murmurings even before the season started last year about players wanting to leave and stuff like that. And my opinion always is, if a player isn't happy, let them go and just get as much as you can because the performance will just drop because of the whole, the whole scenario they're in and their head's been turned or whatever the reason is they want to leave. Um, you're better off just getting them out and trying to maximise the sort of value you can get for them from, from other clubs. Because as so, um, so yeah, let's just get, aye. So just just get 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 them out and get get the money reinvested. That's that's the way I look at that situation. Because as you say, it's about kind of letting players go. I was a big thing about an enchantment. Was it a year and a bit ago or last season? 
I was kind of like, I know he's unhappy, but, but the guy is an absolute... I think the guy's one of the most talented players I've, I've seen at Celtic. Just, he's got everything to be a top player, but again, we don't know what goes behind the scenes. We don't know what he's been promised. The same as Dembele came as a wee dig at the boards and Rodgers saying he was promised this. And again, we don't know what players are promised and that's why they underperform, but mm-hmm. that's why they're professionals. Just in the day, she's still performing at a level, but Again, we only know Aye. bits and bobs. Obviously, you'll maybe know a bit more yourself for your, for your contacts and stuff. But me personally, I was a big believer in the chat. I've seen him a days. He's only playing to, um, to Wales today. So he's in this. Mm-hmm. He's, again, what happens with him, I don't know. Again, the way of the footballer maybe thinking we're going to play, he could be a guy that could shine under mm-hmm. the Because for me, he did play well with Rodgers okay. his first season. And then obviously, the window doing a bit. But I think I, I'm okay. a, a bit more excited about this brand of football that we might see again. Mm-hmm. I know definitely, and and just on and Cham, I think I touched on it previously that um, the the guy has got all the talent. I don't think there's any question the guy's got mm-hmm. talent. Um, we saw that in certain games. He just doesn't do it enough for whatever reason. It's just like there's just no consistency. We'll be looking at him and. Especially, it seems to be the big games, he tends to turn it on and then when you go to like Livingston and he's, he's not existent in the game and that's the game he should be bossing. Do you know what I mean? So, but listen, it, it could be maybe he's went to Marseille and that sounds a, a bit of a fiasco going there because the next day Andre Fierce-Boas resigned, didn't he, when, when they signed him? So I think he's went to Marseille and been messed about big time. He's probably been ill-advised to go to Marseille because I, I think he maybe only played... Maybe we only have a few substitute appearances. I don't think he's had a game for him. And I'm sure as well, he subbed a few times when he was playing as well. Aye. Aye. So I, I think it's been an ill-advised move, um, especially the fact that Miser resigned the next day. Um, so maybe he's going to come back and say to himself, look, fresh start, new manager, clean slate, new season. Let's go out there and give it a can. And I'm sure, that, see if he does well, he'll get his move to a big club and Celtic will get, you know what I mean, they'll get good value for that. So, um, so yeah, well, let's see how Ange manages that situation. And as you said, he might just flourish mm. under the new system and under the new regime. So, fingers crossed that he does. Because I know there was talk about them, they, was, they were letting them go and stuff. And I was thinking, surely you can't let a guy go who you did not back about 15 million for a year and a bit ago. You can't let him go for no. nothing. That's just for me, that'd be very, very poor mismanagement for the club if that was the case. Mm. How the way I think my old man can always say is they're always saying that strike when iron's hot as much as you love Edward and you love guys like Christian if you're getting 50 million for Edward I know that's not going to happen but if that's your top 40 million pound just sell them and get your 40 million pound because like what happened we've seen last year I know he still scored 20 odd goals because his performance has been very well his values decreased mm-hmm. and now he's got a year or so left his contract will he stay now and I know there's a lot of talk about him it's kind of cooled a wee bit which I'm kind of happy yeah. about I'm kind of yeah. I'm, I was kind of like, do you know what? I'd rather just let him have one good season, get us into the Europe next year, because we'll get that money back next year, but we're going to mm-hmm. sell from this year. So mm-hmm. that's why I was saying, I know fans are saying, if we get £15 million, take it. But I'm like, well, if he stays that season, we're going to get double that, and then we can let him go. So you're mm-hmm. kind of, as a catch-22 with him, in my opinion, it's a very hard one to, um, to focus I think, on. I think odds on probably needs to look at himself and... Listen, he did score a lot of goals, but there was mm. there was just some games his performances wasn't up to the standard. They can say the same about the whole team. Yeah. But I do think it might have cost him that move to Leicester mm-hmm. because the, the guy they went and signed up, Patson Daka, I think they probably got a better deal, but that guy was flying last year for Leipzig um, and he is a big, big talent as well. And, I, and he's just maybe put Todd's on to that role um, over at Leicester as a, 
as a striker. So, um, yeah, I think he'll maybe need to look and reflect back on how we done last year. And, and listen, that may have cost him that. But mm-hmm. listen, I suppose there's still a lot of time between now and then, August. He, he still could go. I hope he doesn't. I, I generally hope he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he just stays and gives us a good season and, and, and scores 20 plus goals again because I'd be happy with that again. But, um, but yeah, I think last season probably could have cost him that big move. Because I was kind of as well, obviously, because we couldn't get into the, the ground last season and with the looks it, fans might be in the next few weeks and whatever. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I was kind of thinking I'd love to see him again in the flesh before he yeah. goes. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a guy that I, I love. Celtic, it's the guys I love paying my 30 quid, whatever it is, my six month pound, whatever season. But that's the guys mm-hmm. I want to see. And then I was kind of like, even my old man, he's like, man, I want to see him again before he goes. I was yeah. obviously but the kind of thing he was maybe going to go but mm-hmm. for me just to see a, a guy like that in the flesh that's the guys you want to see Celtic I know he's as you say he's, he's had performances where he wasn't up to scratch but just even to see him do one amazing touch on that game mm-hmm. that's, that's what you pay your money for because oh, the, yeah. the guy is top class he's, he's, he is a top draw striker eh? there's no denying that there's, there's obviously been reasons that he's put, there's always reasons for why your performance level would drop and as I said the whole team's performance level dropped last year quite substantially so um, but yeah also the level of type of players that you want to see at Parkhead and um, as I said I would have been sorry to see him go if Celtic make a good bit of money from it then great you know and, and it's a good deal for everybody but if he's going to stay and he's going to do the business then listen I'm all for that and obviously we mentioned me and Robert because I spoke with you yesterday about obviously how can kind of deals get took place and how long they take? Obviously, that's kind of mm-hmm. in your industry. Um, do you think, obviously, why Mika says, why do you think Celtic do take so long? But obviously, we spoke to you and we know some, obviously, some fans don't get some knowledge that maybe you found it with yourself and stuff that they mm-hmm. think it's with finishing two days. But you know, nah. and maybe you've told us that it could take six months for a deal to go. It just depends on family, it could depend on money, agents, clubs, it could depend on so many things. And I think now we obviously speaking to you and seeing things and looking into more stuff more. I'm a bit more understanding now how players mm-hmm. and agents and clubs deal with transfers because it's not just that eight years, five million pounds as a contact and done. It's so much more. And I've kind of looked more, I watched some today. It was on YouTube and it was um, Angus Grun just signed for Norwich again and it was kind of behind the scenes of doing the medicals and taking them through stuff. It takes a, a full day or two to do a medical, so that's just a, med- that's just a medical. Yeah. So how long does it take to talk to the players and pussies and clubs and it's a full structure, but obviously that's your industry. Do you think some fans maybe need to, maybe especially this season, just kind of take a back step and just let the club go home with it and kind of maybe stop criticising how they deal with it? Yeah, I think but I think the, the, the problem is for Celtic, let's take Celtic as a frame example as an example, sorry. Um Celtic always tend they always will looking from the outside in, always seem to leave things to the last minute. Mm-hmm. Now I, I know for a fact it, they don't just wait to deadline day and yeah. they start picking up the phone. All that stems back from probably six months prior to that that day. Well, you know, they generally work on a window by window basis, mm-hmm. you know. So after this window, they'll start preparing for January and vice versa. So they'll work their way through. But the problem is they'll, they'll go to like their, their number one pick and they'll negotiate with him. But that negotiation might take for a month, but then they might not get him. If you take the Eddie Howe situation, for example, Celtic were speaking to Eddie Howe for months. Yeah, They didn't get it over the line. And the next minute, it's a, it's, a, it's a mad dash to get someone else. And that's the way it appeared. That's the same thing that seems to happen at Celtic quite a bit. Now, there might be a reason for that. There might be multiple reasons. Might just be that the players get cold feet and he's went to another club or he's went for more money or, or whatever. So I think, but the problem that we have got 
as a Celtic fan, me speaking here, that you've got right now, we sort of need that to be sped up as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what the recruitment team or, or Dom McKay or Ange need to do is they need to know if the player's coming or he's not. Because if he's not coming, you just need to go to the next one. Because yeah. he can't afford to spend so much time to and fro and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think that people need to understand that there is so many factors involved. You know, you've got the agent advising the player, and you've got the player speaking to the manager, and you've got the manager speaking to the agent. And it's this sort of circle of information going round and round and round. And at the end of the day, you might not even get a deal done. So mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes. There's just so many people involved in the, in the transaction and in the deal. And as you said, players need to weigh up. You know, if there's a guy coming to Croatia, do I want to go to Scotland? I don't even know anything about Scotland. I've never been to Scotland in my life. Do you know what I mean? And where am I going to stay? And all these other factors about the life that they've got to think about. So it is a big, big step to do it um but yeah i think we've just got to just trust and for me i'm just going to put the faith in and don mckay to give, go out there and get it done um and by this by the end of august we'll know if they've done a good job or not eh? or by the end of september the first few games after the window we'll, we'll know whether it's it's worked or not because for me as well at the press conference when Ange was obviously announcing stuff and I actually thought Don McKay spoke quite well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, he did seem very confident and he was assured. I think he knew what he was talking about. It wasn't just half the cuff. I think he knew, He just knows. Obviously, I know he's a Celtic fan and stuff, but the fact that I think he's, people are obviously a bit sceptical because he's came from a rugby background, but for what he's doing at a rugby sense, it is somewhat a football. It's just a different sport. He's still mm-hmm. doing that commercial side and Obviously, he's built, kind of, he has built rugby for best at the bottom to the top. He's done very well for Scottish rugby. Uh-huh. So, for me, it's no... I wasn't worried. It was just different. I was just happy to see a different course of action for the club because, obviously, we're used to Lawwell and Bankier and, and Desmond and stuff and other guys behind the scenes. And you just want something... As for me, it was just different. It was a new, a new kind of organisation coming in and uh-huh. new ideas. And, again, the thing with Ange as well, like you say, is people were all a bit all right, panicked by... See, soon as how wasn't he coming, he wasn't strong as a favourite, so the bookies knew something. Mm-hmm. Somebody knows something. You don't mm-hmm. just get a guy for your steel and go, right, he's a favourite to be the manager. As yes. you mentioned, somebody's always probably in the line, but we just think because it said the house away now, it was a panic. Yeah, but as you yeah. say, as you have worked in that field, you know that these things are already kind of looked and ironed out. Yeah, I definitely. There's always, there's, there is always a plan B, C, as many as there is um, if, if one falls by the wayside but I think I, I thought the press conference did come across really well um, I think it was really overdue considering the lack of news and information again but that was probably because they were trying to sort that out mm. and it just took longer to do that so listen I think that Ange uh, Ange is Don McCann's man uh, Don McKay sorry's man for the job I think Don McKay's put a lot of faith in him. I think he did know about him because I think Don McKay spent a lot of time in Japan, Australia, and probably knows everything about him. And he's a big football fan, a big Celtic fan as well. So um, he is his man. They came across really confidently and spoke really, really well. I thought the press conference as well. I don't think he's going to take uh, any any rubbish off the, the media, any trick questions off the media. I think he'll call them out straight away, which is which is good. And to be honest, I heard that through a few um, Australians through Twitter that he doesn't uh, suffer fools gladly. So... Yeah, let's um, let's hope it's going to be as positive as it has been so far. Because obviously, I know we've had Neil Lennon and stuff, and even Rogers, the two of them didn't really, really take much shit from media. But obviously, because of no. Lennon's background with Celtic and whatever else, there's only so much Neil Lennon can say because he gets lambasted. But mm-hmm. with this guy, the media, I think already have 
through with some of the questions that the fan media and some of the questions from the media, he's kind of just shut them down. You can see it in his face, he's like, listen, I'm taking that idea with this. And I like that. He's, he's, he seems authoritative and I think the media might actually respect him and no game silly questions like they gave yeah. Neil Williams with some of the questions he actually went in was ridiculous. But they knew mm. sometimes he became a headline and I think that's maybe he's coming here now and he knows that, as he says, he's worked at a high level in the World Cups and he's worked in the show. He's not, it's not like he's coming here no having to deal with silly media questions. So mm-hmm. I think it's actually refreshing that he's going to come in and say, listen, next question, I'm going to deal with that because I think it's it's needed in Scotland because some of the media, for me, some of the questions they ask are really, really stupid and they're quite sometimes sensitive to some of the things happening. Like, you know yourself, if you're losing my football, they're coming out and ask you questions right away and they're giving you silly questions, but they know... Neil Wenn is going to give him a fatty answer because he's just finished the game and Aye. I think this guy might be like no I'll maybe take half an hour then I'll come and speak to you and I think that's what it was, I think that was the way Rodgers used to be didn't he he never mm-hmm. came out away Rodgers he used to let it does settle and then come in, I think that's what we need because we don't need any more headlines we've had it the last year <laughs> we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't need any more yeah that's, no, that's true I think um, yeah Brendan Rodgers is probably one of the best I think to handle the media um, he knows how to speak I think he sort of takes the emotion out of it as well which is a good thing um, and so far, listen from from what I've been told, well, from what I've been reading, what I've been seeing about Ange, yeah, he, he, he speaks really well professionally. But I think he'll give as good as he gets back. But sometimes you need that, though. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you need that. If he's going to defend the club and defend his team, and he's already said he's yeah. doing everything to um, to support, and he'll defend the club to the hilt um, by the sounds of it. So listen, that's exactly what we need for the man in charge. And obviously, yes, as I mentioned, pre-season in Wales and the pre-season games. Um, that's a good point for JP in the live stream. He says that obviously Edwards in Wales, so that may, may indicate that he might be playing some part in the game. So, yeah. again, I, well, I kind of said it to my dad as well that see these guys who are going to come in, like either Edwards or Chris, if they're going to go, if they're going to play against Mitchelland, they might not be going to a top team because they might mm. because they can't play in Champions League, they don't want to play in Europa League. Mm. So, that's I think as well. I think if these guys maybe start against Switzerland, you might think well, they might be staying then because yeah. they can't go and play for a top team like your Man U's or whatever who are playing Europe they might go to a, yeah. an effort on their so I think it, um, yeah I think obviously Ayer's been linked to Norwich quite heavily that looks as if that is probably where he's going to go I read today Ryan been linked to Crystal Palace so obviously those are sort of mm-hmm. mid to low end table in the Premier League still good moves for, for both, yeah. both players you know and, and I'm sure Celtic will get good business out of it as well but yeah, it's good to hear it. Eddie's down there with the with the team, um, because I think Angel get the best out of him as well. I just mm. think that the way that he's going to set this team up, and from what I've been reading, listening to, and obviously seeing what he's been doing briefly at uh, Lennox Town, I think it's going to be an exciting brand of football. And I think somebody like Eddie fits the mold perfectly there. So good to hear he's down there. Um, as I said, I'm I'm looking forward just to seeing the first team in action. Yeah, which obviously it's going to be a, it's going to be a work in progress, isn't it? Always is with preseason. It's always a work in progress. So. No, um, feeling positive about the, the season ahead and uh, the friendlies. Because obviously it was something that me and Robert touched on as well the last night's podcast that obviously I'd like your opinion on it as well. Like obviously mm-hmm. Celtic players, like no, no really naming names, just players that go to like your Everton's or your West Ham's, Villas, they can move. For me, it's a stepping stone money-wise and maybe playing with better players, but when it comes to winning trophies and the chance of winning trophies, it's a step down. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you might go and earn another 20, 30 grand a week, but I think maybe these players maybe knew, I know money's a big thing in football now, but 
they maybe need to start thinking, do you want to go in and out to grand a week? Or do you want to compete in maybe a Europe every season and win trophies? Mm-hmm. I don't know how football players are like. Obviously, you've worked in that industry. Yeah. Do players count trophies now? As, or is it, ma- is it, or is it, as Robert says last night, are agents getting men involved now than moves than mm-hmm. as a player? Oh, definitely. I, I, I think that um, agents are heavily involved with, mm-hmm. with all players now. And as I said before in the last couple of podcasts, you have good agents and bad agents. And a lot of these guys are, are only about themselves yeah. and they'll, they'll influence players and people for a financial gain. And that happens, but that happens in every business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens everywhere. Um, players, I think, are not as strong mentally now than what they were. That's yeah. just my opinion. I think players are easily led down the garden path. And, and sort of, not everybody. There's, 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 a, there's other players out there that are really strong-minded and they'll say, no, no, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of players nowadays are sort of um, believe what they want to hear, you know. Um, so somebody will tell them something and sort of blow smoke up their ass and they'll, and they'll buy it, you know. Um, and then they'll maybe two, three years down the line say, what did I do that for? Why did I make that decision? Why did I leave? You know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Money's a massive, massive factor yeah. in football now. People, players maybe like I or, or Ryan, and I don't know for a fact or anything, but yeah. they'll probably say, look, I've been at Celtic and I've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've won everything. I want to go and follow my career down in England. And, and obviously England is a big financial gain, a draw, but it's a prestige factor as well. Yeah. It's a Premier League's beamed all around the world. Um, it's a massive, massive thing for your career to play in the Premier League. So I, I don't say for all players it's all just about the money. There's obviously the, the reputation, the prestige factor that comes with that as well. Even if it is in Norwich, with no disrespect mm-hmm. to them, they're going to be fighting relegation next year. Do you know what I mean? And Crystal Palace are bobbing up and down around about there as well. So it's just the draw of being one of the 20 clubs in the Premier League to play for. So I think that's a big thing for, for players nowadays. And obviously you mentioned Crystal Palace of just announced Vieira as a manager. Aye, yeah. I know there was, I, I don't know how true it was, there was a wee tiny rumour about him got to Shelton. I actually said it to, to my old man the day, I says, see if Celtic get a Vieira, I'm not going to lie, I generally would have been scared for Celtic. <laughs> because he's not really dumb, I know he's, he's no. an absolute legend, I play, he was a, a top class midfielder, but yes. he won a, he's a, a winning mentality as a player, but yeah. as a manager, I think he got forced out the door, was it Lee was it? It was at Nice. Nice, that's what it was. And it nice, basically got forced um, out the door, didn't it? So you're he, thinking... It didn't, it didn't work from there. It, it was at New York uh, New York City, but New York City are part of the City Football Group, mm. who obviously were Manchester City. So I think that's probably been where the rumours came from. Yeah. Because of Celtic's close link to, obviously, Man City. Um, so I think that's where it came from. But he went to Nice and it didn't quite work out from there. Um, and I think, obviously, in a, in a top league like that, you're out the door if you're not mm. producing over a, a few months. It's going to be really interesting to see how Crystal Palace play because under Roy Hodgson, you know, obviously Frank De Boer came in and was a Jose Mourinho caught him the worst manager in the Premier League ever because he was sacked after five games. But Frank De Boer tried to come in and, and adopt the system that he actually used for Holland. 3-5-2, was not it? 3-4-3. 3-4-3. Uh, the 3-4-3 system and it was quite fluid and obviously you had your wing backs pushing, there was Denzel Dumfries snap pushing high up. He tried to implement that in his first and it, completely, it was a complete disaster but it didn't have the players to do it. Whereas Roy Hodgson came in, steady the ship, played a bit more defensive, a bit more cautious, more on the counter-attack way. Obviously, Zaha and um, I think Andros Townsend, maybe one of the other wide players that's there as well. It's going to be really interesting to see what, um, before going off tangent here, really interesting how she how Vieira plays. But the fact he's looking at a player like Ryan Christie maybe tells you he's going to be a wee bit more yeah. attacking, um, a wee bit more relying on number 10, surrounded about creating things in the middle of the park. So, listen, if, if that's the way he goes, 
wish him all the best. He's, he's been proud for Celtic overall. He's had a great career at Celtic, same with Chris Fryer. They've done really well for the club and they've been part of that massive success we had under Rodgers. Um, and obviously, just before last season. So, um, if Celtic get a bit of business with it, then, then so be it. Then that's good enough for me. So. And there's obviously a point you mentioned there, uh, Townsend. I, I think he's, I don't know if he's at a contract now at Palace. Ah, um, yeah, I heard he was at a contract, yep. Because he's been on talk sport quite a bit, so he's obviously chatting a bit to get a club. And I'm sure... I'm sure he mentioned the other day, I think somebody asked him about would you go to like Scotland or something. I think he, could, he didn't say no. Um, uh-huh. And I was kind of like, my, I would, I'd like to say a few of my pals and stuff. I think he would be all right at Celtic. Mm-hmm. I think he would, I know he's been a hat and miss at Palace, but I, I, he's played at a decent level in the Premier League. I think he's only 31, 30, about, he's yeah. no too old, experienced I, I player. Yeah. Um, and again, I think we are crying out for winners because of, it's, I know we've got Mikey Johnson, then Barry, but in my opinion, the Barry might step up, but for me, it's just my opinion. I don't think Mikey Johnson got to go to the next level. It's just my no. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy has a talent, but for Celtic consistently, I can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the marker, as much as I've been, I know really as much now, but in the past, I was a bit a big critic of Forrest because attacking-wise, it was phenomenal, but defensively, I thought he could do a lot more, but mm-hmm. when I looked at his stats, it shows I know nothing, because his stats, <laughs> his stats were superb, and yeah. so I can't really complain at Forrest now, and I think uh-huh. we missed him this season, yeah, and I think did. he's maybe the benchmark for the wingers now, to get mm-hmm. to, and I think guys like maybe Johnson and Perry, and maybe need to look and go, well, if I need to get past him, I need to work a lot harder, and it's kind of reminding me about, I think, Vieira and on we have spoken about Mbappe in the last few days basically saying that if you want to get to your your Ballon d'Or mm. you need to work with Messi Ronaldo you need to be humble you need to work hard none of this prima donna and I'm the best player and I'm this I'm, you need to fucking work hard and I think that's what I hope Ange brings to Celtic about you need to work hard not just all about having yeah. talent we can, listen we all had, we've all had talent we've all said we've had talent or we all thought we had talent yeah. but you need to work and I think I hope we install that in, in Celtic now, but as much as we've got talented players and technical quality players, I think we need to work as a team now and work very hard to win this league back. I totally I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think um, to go sort of the touch back on the sort of scouting side of things, you, you don't just look at what the what the player's ability is. You've got to try and forecast what that player ability is going to be, but that you, you take so many factors into consideration, you know, Basically, you know, their technical ability, you know, how their physical ability is, but also their psychological ability. Do you know what I mean? Has he got the mental capacity to get to that level? Now, um, I didn't see the thing about Mbappe. Obviously, Mbappe took a bit of criticism because he didn't really have a good tournament um, at all. In my opinion, I think maybe one game he actually played no bad and he got a goal chopped off. I can't remember exactly what game that was, but um, he has to have a bit of flack of late, obviously missing the penalty. Apparently, his penalty is right enough, but... I really expected a lot more from him in this tournament myself, but I don't know what the reason that is, but a guy like Kylian Mbappe has got all the talent, but it doesn't mean that you stop working or you stop yeah. trying to get better. And Cristiano Ronaldo is the, the prime example with that. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo is a completely different player to what he was in the same for Man United, do you know what I mean? All those years ago, he was like a, a sort of little skinny winger that could just beat players. And now he's a centre-forward, you know, powerful centre-forward, scoring goals left, right and centre. So... He worked at that every single day of his career to get to that point, and he's still playing now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cristiano Ronaldo went on and played till he's 40 or by 40, um, the way he's going at the minute. But yeah, to bring it back to Ange, I think Ange will bring that work ethic into the, the team. Listen to the little mic'd up session. I think you can get a feel how hard he wants his team to work. Um, and he, like you said, he sort of knew all the young guys' names and stuff like that, which was really good and really refreshing to hear as well. But I think 
he'll his sort of presence around about the training ground will make sure the players are working hard for him. And I think players that they're going to bring in, whether it's somebody experienced like an Andros Townsend or whoever, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you've got to work hard for this guy because he's wanting you to do it for 90 minutes non-stop. Um, the only time you stop is obviously at half-time and full-time, as he said, so, and when you're celebrating. So, um, yeah, you've got to work hard for, for the team, and that's exactly what we need at the club right now. And obviously, we've mentioned guys like Griffiths, and whatever, guys from back on loan, and Ball and Golly came back, Sheb, Bio, guys like this, we don't know how they're going. Because for me, the, the mystery for me, the guy Sheb for me is a mystery. Um, mm-hmm. it, just, a mystery he was, I think he was, he was one of the top players in that and I know the best of teams in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We signed him. Rogers didn't know who he was. For me, that was bizarre. That was really bizarre how you can sign a player and don't know who he is. Um, he played a qualifier, a group game, and scored a fantastic goal. And then he was never to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's done okay. And the Belgium we went to when about then. Ah, you went on He's done okay. Um, Bolly done okay in Turkey. These guys could come in and forage because I've can I say as well that I'm going to wipe. Kind of wipe out most of the players of last season because every single player regressed. Mm-hmm. Apart from maybe I was, I was quite decent consistently, but most of the squad regressed. And that's no just because of one wee thing. That's for no. a big, you can accept two or three players regressing. But for me, when you guys like Laxalt, who, who was in team of the year for the World Cup, his first two games, I'm just thinking, this guy's a fucking belter. And then mm. he's just been an absolute squib. Again, that's. Yeah. I know we don't want to criticise the management team and what they're doing behind the scenes because I know they work hard and it's just no work. But obviously something in business, right? So these two guys might obviously kick on and you've got guys like Tumbo, Sorrow, who again might kick on. I hope so, Ryan. Um, I think if I take it back to the when the Mark Lanell era came back in, if I remember right, I remember Stylian Petrov was getting slaughtered there eh, when he played under John Barnes. I remember going to games with my dad and... He was playing, I'm sure John Barnes was playing, remember it was that 4 2 2 2 system he was playing at the team. The Brazilians played, um, that they were sort of famous for that. And he was playing them sort of right back, and he couldn't play right back. Do you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe Schwed had been asked to do things that he couldn't actually do. And there's maybe, maybe a language barrier there. I heard he was probably struggling with a bit of English. I don't know if that's a rumor or not. He was struggling to adapt to life in Scotland. And as I said, it's a big, big change, for, especially for my. I come from a country like Ukraine or Eastern European country like these these places like Ukraine, Croatia, Poland, whatever. It's a big, big change to come over here and do that. Um, so when John Martinell came in and obviously got the best out of Stylian Petrov, he developed into a really, really top player for us and a, a top player in the country and obviously going to England. There's no reason why these guys can't do it. They're young enough, if they're hungry enough and they work hard enough, um, they can definitely do that. And I think now the fact that Andrew's in, Don McKay's in, it's a clean slate for everybody. So everyone's going to get their chance to obviously have their opportunity to step up. And then obviously, uh, uh, yourself, mate, which can I, you know, can I maybe longer term plans? Are you planning um, scout, scouting? Are you going to go back to agency at all? At all? No, I think um, I'm I'm enjoying doing a bit of the scouting now. I've been doing a bit of scouting for a couple of clubs, actually a couple of clubs abroad. Can't name the, the clubs yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, yeah, helping out with just doing a bit of identification here in the UK. Clubs, um, players that are about a contract and I've been interested in having a, a challenge abroad, so I've been helping some of the some clubs abroad doing that. Um, but yeah, at the minute, I'm actually on the hunt to look to see if there's any other roles out there and stuff like that, um, whether it's in Scotland or maybe you're doing stuff for a foreign club abroad and maybe on a more permanent basis. So that's the route I'm looking to go down. Really enjoying it, to be honest, mm-hmm. Ryan. It's, it's been really refreshing doing that, and that was the side of the game I really like doing. Yeah. It's uh, 
worked as an agent. So, no, that's the route I'm going to go down. So, um, we'll see how it goes this season. We'll just keep going and keep speaking to people, keep networking, keep doing more courses, keep learning and developing. I'm, I'm big on doing things like that and developing yeah. your sort of knowledge and skills um, to progress forward and building up the CV. And hopefully there'll be a, there'll be a role that comes up that's probably more permanent um, in the future. So it's, it's, it's refreshing as well for me to hear like you've you've seen something and thought I'm going to progress myself. You've actually looked in it more and you're kind of watching games a bit different now because you're, you're not doing agency side well. But I, I know you mentioned before that scouting agency is kind of similar. You've, you've got mm-hmm. to have that kind of, kind of background to, to, be obviously, to be good at your job. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, it's very it's refreshing as well you're taking stuff on, you're Try to progress your knowledge, and again, as you see the fact that you're kind of going maybe overseas and stuff as well, it's, it shows that maybe uh, it just shows you as well maybe there's more opportunities maybe abroad than there's in Scotland because we all know mm-hmm. how how fickle the Scottish game is. Yeah, there's not there's not a good money in Scotland, um, but listen, if there's anyone out there that, that really wants to get involved in the scouting side, just as long as you can build up a reputation, just do things voluntary, help clubs out, help your local club out. Doesn't matter if it's junior football, do you know what I mean, or it's League Two or Championship, just do it. Build up some experience. That's exactly. I'm doing the exact same thing just now, Ryan. Obviously, I've got a few contacts abroad, so that that helps me in a way. Yeah. And um, doing a bit of work for them. Um. Obviously, the, a lot of the younger people coming through now from the analytics side are bringing new, f- fresh ideas and approaches to the data analytics side of the game. That's something I'm learning just now. I'm trying to sort of learn that and sort of get more involved in, um, because that's the way the game's going. The game's going that way. It's getting not solely led with data. But a big part of it is going to be mm-hmm. data as well as the traditional sort of scouting. So um, I'm trying to teach myself, learn new things, and keep basically try and keep ahead of the game and ahead of the curve of what's happening um, in the sort of data analytics world of football. So, um, so yeah, that is a big part of it as well. So it sounds, it does sound real interesting and very kind of kind of brain working. No, for me anyway, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my brain's just football knowledge, certain money or a. Um, there's, not, stuff. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, mate. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, uh, that's, that was what my brain was like as well. It's all the sort of football knowledge in the back. It's some sort of trying to learn these new things. But I listen, I've got an open mind to how the opportunities that are out there and stuff like that. So listen, you've just got to just see how things go and then just keep progressing. I say, mate, obviously good luck with obviously the, the career. And obviously, I, I know if I talk to you personally, I know you're very good at your job and Obviously, a lot of contacts. You're very keen in doing what you're doing. So, I, I, I think you'll hopefully see you in the big light soon, mate. Um, yeah, and obviously, uh, with Celtic, again, hopefully, we can just kick on. And hopefully, next time I speak to you, we're in the group stages and we're flying and yeah. we're 10 points ahead. And it's all rosy again in the camp. Aye, that, that, that'd be good. <laughs> they would just have a few podcasts when we're all happy. <laughs> well, I that's well. the thing as well. It's me. Podcasters like myself and other guys that's been doing glooming. It's just good to have a lot of excitement and Aye. not just talking about Neil Lennon and this and Celtic gas and the media. Of this it's more like Champions League new signings. Look forward, look forward to it now. Aye, um, I totally agree because it's it was going on too long, wasn't it? So once obviously they've made the move for Andy, we've all got to just look ahead with, with a lot of optimism and and listen. Let's just get behind them and give them the support they can get and hopefully they can get the business done sooner rather than later. That's definitely for me, that's the thing, just get business done and hopefully we fire on all cylinders. But again, Morgan, yeah. thanks for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. It's been interesting to hear your new role and stuff and obviously keep your thoughts yourself for the rest of the pre-season and obviously Ange can win. Um, again, mate, thanks for your time and I'll see you again. Take care. Probably. Thanks again, Ryan. Speak to you soon, mate.
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic T-shirts, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Hey, 